Welcome to this week's episode of The Front Porch. My name is Michael, and I'm here with my good buddy, Dennis. How are you doing today, Dennis? Pretty good, Mike. And yourself? I'm doing great. It's been a, it's been a nice week. I got to go to do a couple of my favorite things, see movies, read comic books, and play video games. So those are always good, right? And it was nice out here a little bit. I don't know how it was up north, but it wasn't terribly cold at times. Um, it's been a little cold up here. We actually got um, some snow yesterday. Oh, heaven forbid yeah. that sucks. I, yeah, I actually no. it's, it's was excited soon. last Friday. It, it was like beautiful and gorgeous out. And I decided to, I think it was Sunday, I go out and, bl- and blow leaves just for fun. I mean, I have a leaf blower <laughs> and I have like two big trees in my backyard. I'm like, I just, I'm going to blow those leaves and put them in a big pile and it'll be great. Have my kid playing them. And I did. And the the sun went down and I was still blowing. I thought, okay, my neighbors are going to get pissed. And I blew them into a big old pile. And then, well, I got to, you know, they're in the driveway and then I'll blow them out tomorrow morning. And sure enough, it rains. So Mm. it's been wet piles. You've got a mess. Yes. I have a mess. And it's, if I don't carefully, it'll stain my drive. Yeah. So yeah, that is what it is. Joys of home ownership. Yeah, but it's good. It's, I like that. I am. I'm more of a uh, mow the lawn with the bagger on. Oh yeah, my and bagger cause, doesn't because we can't we can't burn leaves in town. Which I don't. I don't know where you are. Whether that's an option. I, my parents have always lived in places where you could, but uh, my my place that I'm fixing up is is not. It's in town, um, hmm. and they do collection, but I usually just put it in the trash which probably you're not you're not supposed to do but i have two big rolling trash cans which is way more than one person needs unless i'm yeah. filling it with plaster and other construction debris oh but, uh, I'm, I'm in the middle i'm in the, i'm in uh i'm technically in town technically it's like they had to draw mm-hmm. a circle way out of nowhere <laughs> to get to loop my neighborhood in but some right. evidently some people live here that they want to be in so they looped them in um, some, so technically uh, I am, but I'm out sounds and like some gerrymandering. It's definitely gerrymandering of some sort. Uh, but I've got like a little fire pit type thing in the back where I burn stuff. And every once in a while I'll see people burning stuff in the neighborhood. Uh, so it's not like they monitor it, but I, I like it. I mean, I like that I can go back and have firewood burning back there. It's a neighborhood, but anyway, so, I, I think that's what I'm going to do. Speaking of Indiana weather, let's, um, I preface this by saying, uh, we're going to talk about the second half of Stranger Things 2. If you have somehow still not seen that, when this episode airs, it'll be like oh, three and a half weeks since Stranger Things came out. Go watch it before you listen to this. But Just uh, go watch it anyway, period. It's great. Yeah, of course. Uh, speaking of Indiana weather, h- how about that last episode of Stranger Things one month after Halloween and everything's still pretty green and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and, and warm looking for the snowball. Yeah, they they didn't have uh, like coats on and stuff like that. One of the things yeah. with Indiana weather in November, it, you're you're wearing your coats to the dance, and not even it's a month later. That's late November. <laughs> yeah, right. And yeah. you know, th- thirty years ago, before our uh, our wave of global warming. Or wait, wait, wait. Actually, was it a month later? I don't think it was. Well, there there are a couple scenes right afterward, but they say a month later, so it's it's oh, at least they? a month. Like Halloween happens, and then everything else happens, and then it's a month later when like Murray's flipping off the the um, the institute guys hauling stuff away. Oh yeah, yeah. 
You're right. Well, they, yeah, if they're going to catch Indiana, they, they should have, or filmed, I don't know where they actually filmed the show, but, you know, to set it in the fall, they should have had, we had freaking colors. Like, there's colors in Indiana. Like, right. ridiculous. If there's, if there's one thing about the falls in Indiana, it's this gorgeous tapestry I, of colors. I said that to my sister in one of those episodes where they're like, they're up on a hill overlooking Hawkins, and I'm like, oh, where are they in Indiana where there are hills like that? <laughs> and she she said something about the cliffs in season one and i said oh well it must be somewhere around bloomington where the quarries are oh yeah you know, that that i got i mean back. i grew up in i grew up in a city where they had quarries not but an hour from here and and it's coal country so they have those drop-offs are very real things right so that was I always do forget it, that it's in Indiana though I mean it says Hawkins Indiana but they don't reference anything local because it's you know semi-fictional I guess but yeah it's fictional it's in the 80s you know hey so what'd you think of it we finally well, got to finish let's, it. what's your let's, your let's run down I I had some notes as right. I was uh as I was editing last week's show I finished I finished the season and then went back and listened to uh listened to last week's podcast to put the chapter markers in and it's very amusing to hear our thoughts on different characters and sort of comparing the different characters and um and then have the perspective of the remaining four episodes that we had not yet seen. Right. I liked it. I did. Um so so of course right off the bat you you called it though ah. the, the foreshadowing was probably not that uh, it was it was much stronger in episode 6 than it was. Are you, you going to say it? Are you going to say but, it about by the end of season five but the uh, brain the brain is r.i.p r.i.p bob Newby. Oh, yes bob the brain poor sam wise sam i was sad when it happened i was like it's gonna you know the whole episode you know it's happening i mean he, he's like they start talking basic i'm like oh here's where he's gonna die i mean no. and at least at least four or five of the cliche death foreshadowings like the zoom in on the gun the if if i'm not back don't wait for me i'll get them out of here like literally every scene of dialogue out of uh out of sean astin or um uh david harbour's mouth was was foreshadowing like sam's i know i know it's gonna happen well you know that that's something beautiful about this show is that it is it is a fresh new show but it intentionally does tropes and does them we had a long i don't want to go back into that discussion about how the show does twist tropes but it does it 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 doesn't shy away from the fact that it's going to do these things it's you know the the camera shots are 80s tv show things the the lines are sometimes are but they're they're supposed to be makes me feel good yeah it's and it's it's mostly done very subtly and you know i don't know as far as their intention i have a little different perspective on some of that stuff because I've watched almost all of the uh Beyond Stranger Things mm. series on Netflix. I'm only on the first episode of that one. Um one of the one of the interesting things in there that didn't occur to me that might have been fairly obvious to you, but um Sean Astin, of course, from Goonies. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then well, when uh Mikey is what he when, is. when they enlist his help to uh to figure out the map you know, Bob mm-hmm. the Brain. Right. What What does he say when they show him the X? X marks the spot. He says, what's What's at the X? Pirate treasure? Oh, oh my gosh. I, I, Bob, no questions. 
Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the treasure. Right. If, if he had said, like, treasure for a pirate treasure, One-Eyed Willie, I would have, like, lost it. It's like, it's it's pirate treasure. It's it's vague enough that, like, I didn't see Goonies as a kid. I saw it in college. But, like, you know, I didn't get that until they referenced it. Right. And um, it's it's funny because they do these interviews with the actors and you can see the, the, the kid actors kind of react to some of that stuff when they're explaining the foreshadowing different stuff. And they're like, oh, that's why. Uh-huh. They're, uh, they're know- kind of the audience in that sense because for them they're you know they're reading lines and they're reacting to direction they don't they don't see it all you know from the same perspective we do yeah he he they talked about how like i said when i watched one episode of beyond stranger things but they did talk about getting sean astin in in this movie and uh it's so funny that one of the comments they made was that uh bob wasn't a big part he didn't have much in there at all um and then Oh, right. they and said, then, oh, Sean did a great see job. But... Sean Astin start acting these 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 lines and these parts. They're like, we we got to do more with this. I mean, like, he, we can't think, waste this. I, I kept thinking, like, as soon as they, if I was the, I mean, I don't know them, but as a director, all of a sudden you find out Sean Astin's in your film as a bit part. You're like, okay, that's going to change right now. I mean, you just don't do that. Yeah, I think it's probably like they they didn't really want to cast him because of you know sort of the callbacks and him being in Goonies and some of that stuff. But then once they did, they probably, you know, sort of revisited that character. Um, which brings me to uh, my next notes about um, Steve and Jonathan. It was kind of funny to me because in listening to our last week's show, we kind of said, you know, Jonathan is this great kind of strong, self-assured uh, most self-aware character and yeah. and steve is kind of is kind of lame yeah and then in the second half of the season they 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 almost completely reverse like once once nancy and jonathan meet up with murray and go through this whole thing to like unveil the uh not unveil but like point the finger for barb's death at Hawkins and try to get um not Hawkins what's the, the Department of Energy Yeah at the DOE um Jonathan like he almost fades into the background like he does almost nothing for the whole rest of the season He does He does you're right Um where Steve becomes this huge like you know as I I predicted last week there's this almost buddy cop arc with him and uh and Dustin they go right. th- through the whole thing with his dating advice and his hair and <laughs> you know they're walking on a train track for hours and yeah yeah that he, was that was right in i can't i kept thinking of you saying that the whole time i was watching that he he becomes he he goes up there with with hopper as this heroic character where like these monsters show up and he's like get behind me you know yeah. i'll 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 protect you um which is uh yeah i, I mean a complete you know, you get his sort of arc from Nancy's uh, drunken rant. Yeah. Um, and but, but you know what is interesting? I, and the a gender studies um, movie <laughs> class will probably would be all over this thing. Um, when you following that up, exactly what you said in a lot of past movies. When one of the biggest issues with having women in movies is that they've been a function of the man. 
Like they sure. supported the man. They were uh, a plot point for the man or a driving point for the hero. Uh, no matter what they were, that's what they were. And once they served their purpose, they didn't, they weren't relevant to the story or the show really much at all. And I don't know if it's intentional, but that's kind of what has happened to Jonathan is that he was there to get her to do her thing, to go to Murray, make it happen. She was a love interest. I mean, he's a love interest. She got him. And then all of a sudden, Jonathan's just not the plot point anymore. So it was a, a interesting little revert, role reversal for that A little bit. Thing. I mean, in the in the context of Nancy's arc, for sure. And it's sort of, you know, I mean, in season one, Jonathan's arc is all about um, Joyce and Will. And yeah. Jonathan's arc in the beginning of season of of part two is a lot about will and then it becomes a little more about nancy and then once that storyline kind of reaches its culmination then they don't know what else to do with him and he's just kind of fades into the background as i said he 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 melds into to joyce is what he does he becomes her again like as soon as he gets back to hawkins he's all about oh my god will oh my god will oh my god will right and and he's just joyce jr um I like him. I just want to say, I know some people, I don't know what they think of his character, but I like Jonathan. I mean, I like him a lot. I think that he, he's a, a fairly complex but straightforward character. He's heroic, but, and, and, um, what's he, he's got good emotions, yet not a emo, whiny yeah, person. Yeah, in, in the interviews with the actor in Beyond Stranger Things, they say that Jonathan is very self-aware. And yeah. they play the, the scene where Nancy's inviting him to the dance and says, you know, he'll be at home uh, listening to, I forget what music she says, and reading Vonnegut. And he's like, oh, it sounds like a nice evening. All right. You know, just very, very self-aware and and confident in a subtle way. Yeah. And, and I like that about Jonathan. I mean, that he, he is one of my favorite characters, and I, I don't know why, but he is. Steve, on the other hand, yeah, okay, so talking about the second half of this, yeah, they switch him around, and it frustrates me again. I kind of want to not like that character and that guy and that actor, <laughs> and then he's cool. And I think the reason Well, they've given cool, us Billy now to hate instead, so... Oh, uh, true. But the reason I, I, I think he's okay in the second half is because they don't... That, that character doesn't dwell. It doesn't dwell on this three-way romance thing happening the whole time. They pivot his character sharply... He changes into, as he says, a better babysitter. Right. Um, and and he's awesome. He's interesting. He's got his own thing, and he's part of the group now. And he's not, again, not a function of Nancy or that three love triangle type thing. And he's a much better, interesting, cooler character that way. Yeah. I mean, he even talks. His lines are better, and he delivers them. And he when, he, when he's telling the guys, like, we are not doing this. This is not a thing. You're all going to die, you know. <laughs> He, he's a he's a sure kind of character and he, he has his kind of moments i thought they were going to do the classic thing where he beats up the bad guy but they don't right he, um, he he gets he gets some hits in early on but he's not you know he's yeah he's without his bat so <laughs> right right yeah i don't know so what do you think of that what's that what's that character's name do you remember his name her bro- max's brother billy billy okay so what's your thoughts on him I mean, man, it's hard for this not to be affected by the interviews that I've seen in 
in the beyond stranger things but they say that um billy is a little bit what they planned with steve in season one and then as time went on and they saw the the chemistry between the actors and stuff they sort of developed his character a little more to become go through a little more of a redemption arc um Mm -hmm. to where billy just kind of stays that that kind of you know antagonistic character and you get you get a little bit of context for him with um the scene with his dad which feels very (laughs) sort of like joyce but in a different way like feels very genuine and realistic in a in a very awkward uncomfortable way yeah i i kind of felt like the that scene was shoehorned in there (coughs) i mean i know it's why it's there and it's important to the character but it felt too little too late they really needed to develop that earlier Mm. but then on my one my one half viewing of beyond stranger things they the directors call him an antagonist they want to have an he's he is a bad guy basically they're not they they didn't they're clearly not trying to make him out to be like a redemption arc, like you said, or something yeah. sim- sympathetic, but they kind of do there. Not in this season so far. Right. They kind of do there, but yeah, I don't know. That, that's something interesting to talk about too, is that uh, how are they setting this up for seasons three and four, which is cool because they know they've got that now and they can do that. But yeah, yeah. I mean, one of my, um, my friends... Uh, who was it? Oh, my sister-in-law actually texted my sister after they were done watching it and said, uh, there was no big cliffhanger like in season one. And comparatively, there's not like you do still get, you know, the, the vision of the minds, not mind flare. And, uh, you know, the, the prediction that that's gonna, you know, that's going to continue. They've got a, they've got a big bad now that, that has some intelligence it's not just a you know mysterious creature that anybody everybody just gets glimpses of right but it's not the same as season one where you know we had 11 just disappear right um there's also the the potential of what's going on with the other experiment kids with um uh number eight Yeah, I don't remember either. See that that's actually a problem with that right there. One of my one of my nitpicks there is that I don't they didn't even need that. Like I I, I think that was wholly unnecessary. I thought I yeah, thought most of Eleven's to, journey was. Compared to um the stuff with Billy and his parents that's just like one scene, like with Elle, we got this whole episode that's her going to Chicago and going through this this whole thing and it's part of like you know in the in the beyond interviews they compare her character to yoda it's like she, <sighs> she had to go that. and and be and be sort of coached and counseled a little bit on how to how to access her power which she needs to she needs to do at the end when she's closing the gate i i thought that right when that scene happened with the with the uh the train the train because i kept thinking that you know do and do or do and do not there is no try mm. i was actually that was going in my head and that was a great scene but we didn't necessarily need a whole episode yeah um yeah it's it's 
I, I didn't read that whole story. I, I, I won't spoil all the interviews for you because those those are yeah, pretty good when they talk with uh, well, with I, I just, about that from, from a non like hearing about what they want and what I actually got from it. I, I didn't I didn't find it interesting at all. I mean, okay, yeah, I I kind of I guess maybe it was the actress, maybe it was the performance that I should look at hard. There is that I she was nice, she seemed kind and helpful, and a lot of her scenes were like. Oh, there's the beautiful butterfly. She intentionally called her sister and it seemed genuine instead of like, I'm actually a killer, murderer, revenge person. I never got that. But then all of a sudden she's doing these things that just seem so out of character. So, Mm. you know what I mean? Well, we've just been introduced to this character. So maybe it's less, it's less of that. And maybe she's, she's so jaded by her experience because I don't know. The the actress is like twenty three or four, even though she, you know, it's it's hard to tell. Like she's clearly older than Al, but you don't know quite how, how much older, and I don't know how old her character is supposed to be. Um, couldn't have been that much because they showed him as kids together. Yeah, that's true, but I think you're supposed to get the sense that like she has been sort of broken and jaded by her past the same way as l but doesn't have the positive influences that l had in the form of hopper and mike yeah and so she's become just this stripped down revenge seeking person who um, is able to manipulate people i mean that's her her power is making people see what she wants them to see well, yeah, I mean, I, I get that's what it, it's written on paper, but I just get, didn't get that performance. I didn't, she didn't come through as like harboring, harbor, harboring, harboring some deep like anger. And she never, people like that, they would, they lash out or they're not kind to other people. If they have these hate vengeance type things enough, as much as it drives them to murder and to have their whole life about it, they lash out at everyone around them mm. and they just become that. They're not like, Oh, I'm a nice Susie person and I'm just good and kind, but Oh yeah, now I'm a killer. Cause I hate, I remember my past 10 years ago. Yeah. Just... I could, I could see it being more of a, more of a cold sociopathic kind of. So like the stuff you see early on that seems warm and kind is, is straight manipulation. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. Maybe. Well, the, the, like I said, that, that whole, I was a little disappointed on that scene. I kept actually when, when L got there, I thought, okay, finally, we can have L be relevant to, to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, because let's be honest, L could have not been in the whole show except when with her relationship with Hopper at the very beginning. And then just like, let's not see L for the rest of the time, keep her in the cabin. And then she comes back at the end and she would have served the same purpose. I mean, she saw her mom. Okay. That's kind of some progress. I guess the biggest thing we got out of that is that Matthew Modine may not be dead. You know what I'm talking about? Is that the Papa? Yeah, Papa. I, I think they were doing some foreshadowing there. Hmm. You know, that he may not be dead. Right. Um, which I can't remember. I'd have to look, see what actually happened to him. But maybe he is the shadow, the shadow monster. But anyway, I, th- I think, uh, like I said, I, I, R.A.P. Bob, that was my biggest sad part. Um, the... I don't know. I knew that they were going to come back with what's his name, um, Dart. Mm-hmm. That was kind of predictable that that sure. would happen. Um, 
I did. I liked, I I'm still a big fan of the L Hopper relationship. And I think oh, yeah. that's really cool. I love, I think they did that in the first part, first half really well where they fought and it was real and it was power versus power. And it was, you know, just the way it was. And then they kind of resolved it in a good way. Kind of, um, I guess none of them, I guess I was waiting for them to say, I love you or her to call him Papa or something like that, but it's okay. That's, I guess it's more of a realistic type thing. I mean, her, um, yeah, her, her quote unquote Papa relationship is very complicated, but I wanted that too. And then (laughs) when I thought about it, I was like, no, I guess not. Right. You don't want it to be the same kind of. Did, Did you know that, um, that Millie Brown is English? When I watched that, that, first half of that thing she's english and then she's not like i don't know if they decolored her or something but she's like 10 shades different than <laughs> than the the mic somewhere like, somewhere between shooting and uh and doing that interview like she got a tan or something she got a crazy tan i was like what did you just go to the south pacific for like two weeks or what yeah but yeah and she speaks super english accent so right and so does um uh, the actor who plays Jonathan. Really? He's English too. Like he sounds like one of the Beatles. It's, it's always funny how yeah. they, how they, how easily they can pull that kind of stuff off. I mean, I'm sure if you're an actor from anywhere else, you know that just by ratio proportion, so much more media is created in the U S that you have to be able to pull off a convincing generic American accent. Yeah. I mean, the guy from Walking Dead, the main guy from Walking Dead's that way. I mean, mm-hmm. he always freaks me out every time I hear him speak. A lot of like, Australians, New Zealanders. Yeah. Uh, one of the, the guy who plays Bobby is, um, Bobby, who plays Billy is um, from, from Australia. Oh, really? I could, I can kind of see that, I guess. He, uh, but so, yeah, so I, I, Billy was fine. Um, pure bad guy, no real difference there he showed a little bit of something uh there was a little funny scene when he had the that scene with mike's mom that was kind of humorous oh yeah that was great that, that was like oh god this is great <laughs> i mean this was such an 80s movie this is like this is an 80s thing they're acting out an 80s movie it's, it's right great. right like um the, the bubble bath the trashy romance novel I know it's just great. <laughs> I was like this is they just kept this like 5 10 minute scene they didn't necessarily had to have at all but they did, and it was great. That um, was so great. I know the the ending. Uh, kind of cool, I guess. Uh, I liked that the kids played a part in it, which is it's always interesting to me how these adults can have these kids around and take them seriously. And you know, <laughs> right when they start talking about mind flayers and Demogorgon, I love that Hopper is always like, "You guys are a bunch of friggin' idiots." <laughs> that that whole scene, I was like, I was like, okay, everybody in this scene except Dustin. Well, all the adults, because, like, Steve gets a line, Hopper gets a line, Nancy gets a line. They're all like, <laughs> they're like, it's a what? A, a mind, what does she call it? Mind Slayer. Mind Slayer? Like, <laughs> mind Flayer. And then Hopper has, yeah, the same thing. I'm like, okay, so everybody here is is clueless except Dustin is the is the message <laughs> you're trying to send. Right. And and I, and I do love how they it always goes back to the D and D monsters. I mean, which is great. Yeah, you know, straight but. straight out of that. And then of course <laughs> wrapping up with the with the snowball, um, which is great. The like very awkward 
kid kisses. Yeah. Um, it's it's really entertaining to watch the interviews on on Beyond with the different uh the different child actors and how they reacted to that. Right. That they said f- that that, that, that Lucas the guy that played Lucas was like always ready for an extra take for the kids. Yeah. Yeah, they <laughs> they joke about that and then in like the second or third one they have him and uh and Sadie Sink on and she was terrified and then <laughs> like his reaction while she's talking about it in this interview is funny also. That's that's um, great. And the you know what I didn't like is um man, it's the opposite kind of what I had said about the first season and I almost took it back from the first season as you corrected me okay. is that here they went on like forever. Like the show was, I looked, I was looking at my timer cause I was on my lunch hour when I was watching. This oh, the episode and, ran long. You mean? Oh yeah. I mean, I watched, I was watching the end. I was like, I gotta get just gotta get this in. I want to watch the rest of the show and I've got to watch it by the end of the end of, the, end of my lunch hour. And I, all of a sudden the, the bad guys over, they're all back together. Everything's good. And then it still has 15 minutes left to go. I'm like, what can they possibly do in 15 minutes? And it goes on for a long time. Uh, they do the whole snowball thing is just, okay. Well, I didn't understand the purpose of the whole thing. It didn't serve any story function except for maybe Mike and Elle getting together. Well, it's, it's all that character development, right? Like, of the of the kids, Dustin is almost the main character. Right, like, right. and I he, like that they they didn't put him with the girl. That was he it. has the most lines. He does the most stuff. And the one of the Duffer brothers says that his arc from the beginning for season two was going to end, like the snowball was their goal. Yeah, they're like we we this is where we want to get, and we want to have Dustin dancing with Nancy. Yeah, which. You know, I feel bad kind of kind of calling back to this as we talked about it last week, but her it, her acting was just not just not I and I think it's yeah. Like oh, I, I said like I said last week, it's not that she's a bad actor. It's just that everybody else in this cast is so good. Yeah. That her whole like all of those interactions with Dustin were great, but just like I felt like she just wasn't quite pulling it off. She always had like a nervous smile on her face. Right. She was just kind of delivering the lines, felt awkward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, and then of course we get the we get the the payoff from season 1 with Elle and Mike dancing and kissing and right. the the quick awkward kiss between um Lucas and and Max. Max. Right. Um and a, and a little bit of little bit of a completion for Steve with his uh you know dropping him off and and seeing Nancy through the window. Yeah, again I, that that they they did a good job of not dragging that out. He not like, not oh, dragging it out. Like on. I leaned over to my sister when cuz she had seen it before but she watched the last four with me. And I said uh I said, "Oh, he told Nancy it was okay, but it's not okay." This is not okay. Yeah, poor, poor, and you don't want it to do that. You don't want it to think about there. I mean, uh, Jonathan and her are great. I think yeah, that Jonathan and Nancy are, are are great. It, he brings out good stuff in her, and and she, he's the she's the leader that he needs. Um, I don't know where Steve fits in on that, but yeah, you kind of feel sorry for the guy. I kind of, I mean, maybe they'll give him a love interest or 
distract him or make him a hero or do something with him. I don't know in the next seasons, but he's losing his he's losing his his need in the show. Unless he's with uh, Dustin, which is amazing. I love it. Steve, you mean? Yeah, that, that Stephen Dustin, Stephen Dustin, or the yeah, yeah. road show, right? Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad that they didn't. I thought they were gonna like. Oh, they're gonna give everybody. They even gave. Uh, what's the zombie boy? They even gave him a girl. <laughs> random, like, girl. <laughs> random. random girl. Random <laughs> girl. Just random girl comes up. A zombie boy. I'm like, oh, are they gonna do that for? And they didn't give it for Dustin, which was great. Even with his cool new hair. Right. His his hair and his confidence and his you know, hey, you you took dating advice from the popular guy like that right that maybe is not quite applicable in your situation <laughs> right and 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 well he clearly went through was, was kind of like the leader of everyone saving the world and it didn't really translate well to all the other kids right right all right oh yeah i know i liked it it was good it's a good show yeah so thanksgiving's coming up um, and you can't really talk about Thanksgiving without Black Friday. Do you ever do Black Friday stuff? Uh, you know, more so in years past, but uh, yeah. usually you ever it, camp out. Usually, at least a little bit of something. Um, I only camped out once from the previous night. I mean, I've like really like you were outside in the cold for a while. Yeah, was it was saying. when I lived in Bloomington the first time, and. Uh, they had a good deal on TVs. It was my first uh, my first flat TV. It it's always pl- about the TVs for these things. It was a plasma, and it's and it's Best Buy. Like it used to be an annual tradition for my family to go to Best Buy, and we'd wait in that stupid line outside just to oh, get really? to get like at least one family member wanted the like two or three hundred dollar computer. Really, this is before Chromebooks. So, so, so your family was like you wanted the big stuff. You were always there for the for the big door prizes that were huge, right? Well, sure. I mean, that's that's where all the deals were, and so I went. Um, this is when I lived in Bloomington, and Best Buy was nearby. Right, I was in town. Um, where I'm living now, the nearest shopping center is 45 minutes away. So, oh, suck. Some you know, some family members have done the night before, but generally, it's the like. We're going to wake up at like two or three and go get coffee and do thing and be back home, you know, by like nine or ten. Man, and, you can't even do that now. And take it's a on, nap. It's on Thanksgiving is when stores open up. Oh, yeah. It's 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 crazy talk. And what else happened that <laughs> okay. weekend? Well, we also, for whatever reason, we're doing family Thanksgiving on Saturday. So I was still in Bloomington on Thanksgiving Day. And so uh, our buddy Chance was um, one of the people I knew in town at the time. And I was like, hey, I'm going to do thing, you know, whatever, camp out Black Friday. And yeah. it, you know, it got to be like 11 or whatever p.m. the night before. And I was like, well, I could stay here in my apartment and keep playing WoW. Or I could I can go sit and, and wait and get this TV. And <laughs> Chance never showed. He was with a girl oh, or something. Chance. Yeah, it's a it's it's a running uh, running joke. But gold um, burned. Yeah, and I got a I want to say like forty two inch plasma. It was super heavy. It was like seven hundred dollars back in. 
This would have been like 2008. Okay. Plasma. Yeah, plasma. It's a big deal. Or it was. Right. Ten years ago. Nine years ago. You had to make the choice. LCD or plasma. Yeah, that was a big... uh, That was the big thing. And there were some rules... You know, general general guidelines with that. But <laughs> over the years, you know, I had I had one of those e machines desktops from right. from Best Buy for a while. Uh, those are the kind of machines you now bash on. Oh yeah, I mean, I because I know <laughs> it wasn't very good. Like you know, I'd, right. I'd I'd go over to my buddy's house and watch him playing Guild Wars, and I'm like, hey, how do you get the how do you get the cape to be reflective like that? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> And I look it up online, and they're like, is. "Oh yeah, it's because your video card is terrible." Um, <laughs> you know, it was Damn just it. A, it's it was as much machine as you expect to get for two hundred and fifty dollars or whatever it sure. was back in oh oh five oh six. Um, right. But actually, the things were expensive then. That was probably a thousand dollar machine. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was. Yeah. You know, it was a good deal, but it was all you know. They made it possible with. With cheap components, you know, poor yes, uh, yeah. uh, power supplies and and all that kind of stuff. But in recent years, I've focused more on online sales. You know, it was probably mm, four, Cyber Monday four or five years ago. I started uh, like I would go along if people were going shopping to you know maybe. I mean, the first couple years it was all about the free uh, um, DVDRs and stuff. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> but, uh, n- n- you know, not so much that these days. But, um, you know, whatever little deals, mostly just along for the for the ride, for the social experience. And yeah. and I'll be on my phone on the Amazon app where all the real deals are. <laughs> right. Now, in the last, probably the last two or three years, those have gotten less and less impressive. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know. It just you see a lot of the same stuff over and over. Weird like oil diffusers and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's Jewelry. the problem I have with Cyber Monday in general is that it doesn't excite me. It never has. There's, I mean, there's no competition. Is the real problem? Amazon is Cyber Monday. Yeah. I mean, okay, there's Walmart and Best Buy, but you know what? They had theirs on Black Friday. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not like they're pitching anything totally crazy to fight against Amazon. They're basically like Amazon here, you, you own black Friday. And so Amazon doesn't have to like throw out stupid deals. They just put out some deals. No. Yeah. And you've got, you know, you've got the prime shipping and stuff, but I've done, let's see my last iPad. I bought on black Friday, iPad mini. Um, yeah. From target because they did, it wasn't, it wasn't a crazy deal. I mean, it was pretty good. It was like you buy it for full price and they give you a hundred dollar target card, which if you don't shop at target is lame, but Mike, that's a hundred dollars off the full price of an iPad. So sure. It's not bad. Yeah. It's a hundred bucks. So I might be watching for one of those this year. Um, I'm pretty disappointed to not see any discounts on the switch. Yeah. Nothing worth it. I mean, right. What's that? I mean, no, nothing huge. Is there like zero discounts on it? Is it still saying the same price? Or is I it think the closest I've or? seen is if you go to Meyer, which okay. there, there aren't even any of those down where you are. I think the closest one no, is in Indy. Um, they'll give you like a thirty dollar 
store card just like target but it's it's 30 bucks it's like eh, it's not i was i was hoping for like 250 or like maybe 325 with a game or some kind of bargain like that i'm like they're still full price i could have bought one last month when i was coming to bloomington yeah, I mean, it goes down to one ninety nine. I might pick one up because it's an interesting novel. I do like the what the only thing that matters on those things is the first party games. Um, but mm. it's not a three hundred dollar purchase for me. I can say that much. Sure. For, I mean, it, for it. Yeah. yeah, it depends on your. It depends on your your usage, right? Like what you're what you're looking to sure. get out of it. But I mean, the, it, it, I can tell you this: it'll be like the Wii U for me. In, in that, I, I'm not the Wii U. Yeah, the, the Wii. The Wii for me was that I loved it, I excited, but there was like, I could seriously say, three games I played. Mm. And I, uh, Trotsky would say that that's, that's what he's buying it for. And that's his price point, is that he wants, those three <laughs> games are worth, what do you say, $60 a piece, 180 so $300, $500. So for him, those three games are worth $500. Right? That's what, actually what my three, response. What three games are that? Well, it was uh, was it Super Mario, the new Super Mario Brothers, um, Wii Sports, and maybe another one. Oh, sure, on the on the Wii, right? Yeah. So I, so I did his, camp his out. His mind is is that I don't know if you've heard this story, but Trotsky and I camped out for the Wii. Yeah, I remember that. I with, remember uh, him doing that at least in with, Walmart, with right? Some of our other friends and coworkers. Yeah, I I couldn't go to Walmart for like six months after that. Not on principle, just because it felt too weird. <laughs> I was yeah. like, yeah, over here in in Home and Garden is where I set up an air mattress and s- tried to sleep. This is my house for a while. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, um, well, the, yeah, the switch the switch isn't isn't enough for me. Black Friday could have done something to push me that way. Um, I know they're not, maybe not, maybe they're just not ready for a hundred dollar, two hundred dollar price tag. But I can say that no, that well, would have gotten it's, me. It's brand new, and what a lot of people are saying. They're saying now, like when I was stopping at stores on my way to Bloomington and looking online, people were like, yeah, there'll probably be some discounts. And now that, you know, all the ad scans and everything are coming up, people are like, yeah, the the special deal on the switch is that all the stores are going to have them. Yeah, and it's right. not sold out like it's only been out six months. What do you what do you want? And I'm I mean, like, I, okay, I tell you what, I, I like what they what they're doing there. I, I, I like the whole thing of it. Um Zelda looks great, amazing. Oh, yeah. Mario, great, amazing. Mm-hmm. But if I'm sitting there and I'm don't have a console, let's just say I don't have a console, and I'm looking to buy, the Switch is not my choice. At one ninety nine, the PlayStation Four is amazing. Right. You know that is bargain shopping right there what, for an amazing console. What somebody told me, and I don't. It's a one terabyte console too. Right. What somebody told me that I don't. I don't entirely embrace, but um, I like the I like the mentality of it. They said if if you're mostly going to game on a PC and you're only going to get one console, that console should probably be the Switch. Actually, I might have heard that on a podcast. Anyway, I kind of probably agree with that because it's the only thing that doesn't have anything. Because anything anything that's cross platform is going to be on the Xbox, the PlayStation, and PC. Yeah, and if it's on the Xbox, it's going to be PC. Right, Pro- probably, because Xbox is not invested in exclusives like PlayStation has. Well, it's also because it's Microsoft. Well, right. And most of the games most of the games that are going to be exclusive, like 
Sony has some PlayStation exclusives. There are a handful still of console exclusives, but that that are just between um, Xbox and PlayStation. But almost nothing from Nintendo is ever going to be on PC. Ever. So yeah, yeah. I get if, that. If you're just going to get one, that's the one. And and I get it. I like the I like the portableness of it. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Yeah, I I, th- I think. You're right. As a, as a if you are a if you are a PC gamer, not just a casual. I I play Minecraft sometimes on a PC. Like if you if you chose Destiny and your 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 choice platformer's choice is to have it on the PC, then yeah, the Switch is probably the way to go. Because for the, all the reasons you just said, I mean, it, it, it's not you're going to be your home console because you're a PC person. You're going to have media servers. You're going to have things that come in different ways. You're not going to deal with it as your media center. Right. You know, you'll you'll have a, a a Chromecast and things like that. Um, but uh, moving away from there, I, I want to say before we move in a little, a little bit to other stuff is that from my experience, I started Black Friday on a lark type, not a lark, but just on a, you know, mm, I got nothing else to do. It's done. It's a, everybody's going to bed on Thanksgiving night. We're all home. Family's tucked in. And I was like, I'm going to run down to Best Buy. It's like 11 and just kind of hang out and see. Right. And I got in the back of the line. It was by myself. It was cold, but you know, I can handle it. I'm from Indiana Mm -hmm. and then walked in and I was not looking for anything big, kind of the things that your parents were looking for, for your family. I didn't want any of those. Those were all going to go when everybody was dashing towards them. I was the guy dashing left when everyone went right (laughs) to see what else was out there. And I was very, very, very pleasantly surprised at the cool things I could get that were, not those things. The TVs and the computers would be just ripped clean, full of nothing, where all the games, there was a ton of them for half the price on brand new games and, and right. movies that I'd kind of tempted to buy, and now they're like five bucks. I'm like, whoa, this is, this is, this is me. And then <laughs> ever since then, I've made a point to go back on, back on Black Friday for those things. Uh, so much so that, um, you know, you sent... I'd like you to put in the show notes the the there's a Google Doc spreadsheet that somebody has posted about the things and you had sent it to Oh me. yeah, from Reddit. Right. If you could put that in the show notes, this should air before Black Friday. If if you're a a gamer kind of person or you like movies, the kind of stuff that we talk about here on the show, then it's worth checking out that sheet because I wish I could make it. It's perfect. Yeah, it's somebody not too big somebody compiled all the all the prices for popular games and movies um at the different stores. Oh yeah, I can say it's got it, the columns on it. Let's say I'm just right now looking at the the, the current gen console games. It's, the column is title, platform of the game, and then the stores are Best Buy, Target, GameStop, Walmart, and Meyer. And it's got all the prices if they're on sale for those titles. It's great. It's just, I'm I'm using it right now for uh you know <laughs> I want this, I want this, I want this, and then I can go there, and those are amazing. I mean, there's a history of I don't know if it's EA or if it's just, I don't know what it is, but there's games that are launched around, I want to say September, maybe. Right. And they know that they're going to put those things half price on Black Friday. They just are. They're, I mean, I got Overwatch, $60 game, brand new, everyone loved it, super hype, but it went on sale. Every Assassin's Creed throughout history has come out around the same time in September-ish and then been on sale for half price on black friday yeah um and 
that's yeah, what I'm I seeing, look for. I'm seeing $30 price point for um, Shadows of War. Yeah, that just came out. We're just talking about that. It's uh, you know? it's for both of the consoles, but um, it's funny. You and I were talking in, in chat last week or earlier this week. Oh, well, I guess not earlier this week. It's Monday. But um, about about PCs, and I've been thinking for the last six months to a year that it might be nice to have a gaming PC. A gaming yeah. PC. I have a gaming PC. A gaming laptop. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and it's funny. It's it's one of those things like, I don't know if I've said this on the show before, but it's funny how quickly um, context, context changes can just completely shift your priorities. Um, okay. You know, you know, 90 95% of the year I could care less about whether my gaming environment is portable right like I have a nice yeah. desk I work at all the time it's it's just like when I'm working like I work on a MacBook Pro but it's all hooked up to peripherals normally sure but it's nice that when I travel I have my same work environment well um, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be nice if you could take that gaming laptop or or that gaming PC you have and when you come to visit, play Destiny Two with Zon here. Well, raid. well, right, and that's and that's the idea. It's not so much that because we don't do that much video game playing when I'm in Bloomington. But when I get together with my family, we often do LAN parties. Yeah, and that's, that's awesome. if it's within driving distance, you know, I can disconnect my PC and put it in the car, and it's you know whatever. It takes less time to do that than to make sure that everybody's client is patched. Um. <clears throat> And my brother-in-law is uh, is a radio engineer, and he usually has three or four Windows laptops that he can get stuff set up on. We're, we're not playing Bleeding Edge games, so sure that helps. But, you know, somebody posted a deal on Reddit. It was like a pre-built, obviously pre-built, a gaming laptop for like $900 or maybe 850 and then that link disappeared and there was one for nine and i'm like well that would be nice <laughs> nine hundred dollars not that much it's less than i played paid for my macbook yeah but then like i was looking at it again this morning and i'm like you know with nine hundred dollars i could get a ps4 and a switch and have four hundred dollars <laughs> left over <laughs> right. I'm like what am i doing right <laughs> Uh, and, and the switch would be portable with that, but it's not. Yeah, right. it's not the same. Yeah. I get it. I could buy Skyrim again, or well, that, that's that's why I was just kind of bagging a little bit on Cyber Monday. But uh, depending on how much I spend on here, which I can now, I can add up some stuff on on Black Friday with my things. I mean, so so you're going to go out I and hit be. up the GameStop and the Walmart and buy I, your. I uh, think well, my my it depends on what the lines are like, but yes. Sure. Um, I'm actually eyeing Walmart right now. Uh, Best Buy usually does have a line outside here in Bloomington, um, oh, and course. it's colder. But Walmart allows you to be inside, mm. um, and Walmart usually just has a much broader selection, namely because um, their broader selection for movies. I- I'll pick up the oh, three yeah. games, maybe four games that I want, and then and those will be my first target. I, I can tell you now, my plan of action is always the same. I'll go out there and make sure that I'm going to get the one game that I want to get or the two games, two, three games I'll want to get. And then next is like, okay, now hit the, the movies, the Blu-rays, because 
I'm still an old school video or physical person. I like to have them. Yeah, I, I think we've weird. talked about this before. I'm we not have. a I'm not a media right? buyer except that I collect vinyl. Right. I, I don't I don't really buy game. I mean, I buy PC games in digital download. But yeah. when I when I played more games on my PS3, and if I end up getting a console on Black Friday, I'll uh, I'll just reactivate my GameFly subscription. Sure, sure. Because I play well, mostly that... single player games, and I'm like, you know, if I were renting Destiny Two from from GameFly, I would have it for you know maybe two months to whenever we get tired of it, and then I would yep. send it back, and it would have cost me like thirty dollars instead of the full sixty. Right. Well, there's there's just so many things that that I can buy for what I might consider a reasonable price, and then many of them that are like what I would consider a steal on Blu-ray sure. that I wouldn't have bought. Like I don't want to. Okay, let me think. I'm just kind of scanning through something here. I don't know if I'd buy Batman: The Killing Joke for twenty bucks that they want to sell it to you for, but I'll buy it for seven dollars, which it's on there. Um, right. Beauty and the Beast. I my kid and I really liked that show, Emma the Watson. new one that came out. Yes. And it's like $25, but it's $13 on Black Friday. Sure. That's half the price. Yeah. Like, that's affordable all of a sudden. So, and then some things are just straight down off the bottom. Alien Covenant. I haven't seen that one. I'm a big fan of the Alien things. I've got all the Alien movies, but I would not buy that movie. Mm-hmm. But it's $7. <laughs> so, probably. Like, it's that's cheaper than if I went and watched it in a theater. That's a That's a nice beer. Yeah, right? I mean, if you don't have Deadpool by now, it's $6 and you can own it on Blu-ray. Oh, jeez. So those are those are worth things worth buying. You know, Ghost in the Shell, same thing. It's just there's tons yeah. of really great movies that you can I'll watch. Probably Both Guardians be, of the Galaxies. I'll probably be looking pretty seriously at the PS4 now that they're down to 200 bucks. Like, that's such a that's such a price. 200 bucks, <laughs> just, like. Right. Well, here, um, let me say the other- if I give it Go ahead. The other thing I was going to say is um, the real the real highlight of Black Friday, aside from like, because, you know, you can run down these these deals like two years ago. I want to say my brother uh, David and I both got two hundred dollar 50 inch TVs from Walmart mm-hmm. and they're not great. T- like TVs, but TVs are so cheap now. Yeah, they're so cheap. Like that one is set up here at my parents house. And I think when I move back into my place i'll probably just leave it here so i'm gonna be looking for like an hdr 4k maybe tv if if the deals are crazy enough the nice thing about the walmart deal was they did um rain checks or whatever you call that now oh and so we just really we just went to the store filled out the form whatever and then you know we got our tvs a couple weeks later but we got 50 inch tvs for 200 bucks Oh, that's interesting. Like, I didn't know about that. So, like, that's the main, you know, appeal of the Black Friday thing is that. But we have stories, if you go back, you know, in the years that we used to camp out at, at Best Buy and stuff like that, we have, you know, family family history stories of, like, you know, there was a time that my dad was trying to find laptops you know the two three hundred dollar laptops for somebody who was just starting college and needed a you know, again this is before chromebooks so you know they yeah. could get a crappy windows laptop for 300 bucks yeah. and you know the store has like 12 of them 
and <laughs> there are 50 people who have been in line. I mean, that's that's what bugs me about camping yep. out and waiting in line is the injustice of it. Like, it is. Best Buy doesn't care if somebody shows up five minutes before opening and cuts in line. And you're yep. like, I've been standing out here for six hours. Yeah, that makes you mad. What? I, I will say that, I will say in their defense for, since you mentioned Best Buy, they, they have actually in the last three or four years changed over to a ticketing system. So where they're, mm-hmm. where they, they give out tickets as you're standing in line. Well, that's, and anyway, to, 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 um, but that's not quite perfect either though. To get the rest of that story, um, this was one of the years that they had started doing that. Like they had pages and so they'd hand them out and, you know, we got in the store and they're gone. And so we're wandering around and my dad has several of these stories cause he's more of a, more of an aggressive negotiator than I am <laughs> where like he sees, he sees a Best Buy employee walking and he's got a piece of paper in his hand, you know, just loose. And he's like, Hey, was that a, uh, was that one of those tickets for that, uh, you know? that laptop he's <laughs> that like, game he's I like that yeah I it is he's like is it, did somebody buy it or is it no they changed their mind it's like well can i can i have it you know <laughs> nice. kind of deal or the year that we brought my brother along the one who lives in idaho now um like 25 but that year he was probably like 15 16 we brought him along and uh and we had those um we had the walkie talkies like on Stranger Things. The, <laughs> oh, nice! The small ones. Did you have one of Dustin where it was wrapped around your head? No, no, they awesome. were just the just the little. You know, it was before everybody had phones. We had yeah. these. We had these short range short range walkie talkies that we would use for. Um, you know, like if we were caravanning in multiple cars, or oh yeah, if my dad was out in the woods hunting. You know, we'd have one at the house. Uh, yeah. And so we had these in the store and my little brother went up to, well, like he got in line, the the checkout line. And then when he got near the, the cash registers, he just would let people pass him because he didn't have any stuff. Oh. Right. So he's just standing there at the, at the head of the line. And so then got when it. the rest of us got all of our stuff, we just went and found him and jumped the line. That's so bad. We only pulled that off once, but <laughs> that's it was so like, bad. It was like, yeah, we. I mean, he waited in line for us. It's you know, it's the thing. Yeah. Transfer of ownership of that spot. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. God, that's crazy. Well, I, I may look. I may look. Keep my eyes open, depending on what I get for. So you're you're mostly looking for smaller <sighs> stuff, PC. media. Well, the, the, you know, we've had this conversation. I know we have on chat, but about me agonizing over getting a new pc but i mean ugh. i mean my primary gaming is still the playstation i'd like to have it uh i don't know we can't really go into that or i'm gonna lose my mind <laughs> but um I, I think i'm gonna keep my eyes open on monday for something like that just maybe you know some of the the good deals new egg and uh places like that see what they do for me but yeah i'm looking right now at um Possibly Destiny Two being ugh, one, my top one, maybe. Okay. Um, uh, that's probably something. There's an Assassin's Creed Origins, which is I'm considering. I've heard good things about that. I have as well. Um, kind of torn on Battlefield One. I love the Battlefield games. Not happy about World War One setting, 
but it's got good reviews and I've got enough things. But do you know I, if Destiny uh, Two is uh, is cross platform? It is not. Like, because well, it might. Hmm, I don't know if it is. If anything, it might be Xbox and and uh, PC, but that would be the limit of it. If anything, but right. definitely not PlayStation. PlayStation doesn't do anything like that. Um, Final Fantasy Fifteen. That's something for twenty bucks. I've got enough RPGs right now. I'm in, I'm I tomorrow I have um oh shoot what is there's one coming Horizon Zero Dawn is coming in the mail tomorrow for me oh I already I've, bought I've also heard good things about that yeah I it they had it on for Black Friday for twenty bucks and I was like oh my god I'm getting it and then Walmart went ahead and on put it on presale already and I bought it and I was like oh or Amazon did so I bought gotcha. it for twenty bucks and it's here tomorrow um. But I've got that one. I'm playing that one. I'm playing Morrowind still, Elder Scrolls, and um, uh, I've got Uncharted. Oh, and Witcher Three. See, those are too many things that are going to take up like <laughs> sixty hours of my life. That's never going to. Yeah, happen. you don't. You don't have time for any new games. Right, but see, here's the thing about me. I'm I'm fine with not playing cutting edge right now. Just release games. I don't have to do that. Like yeah. I bought back Batman Arkham Asylum last year, and I didn't get to play it until the summer. It's it's fine. I don't have to buy the games all the time. I can go and I could buy Final Fantasy 15 now and play it in May. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's not going to get worse. It's still going to be the same game. Right. I'm totally fine with that. If anything, uh, they might patch some bugs. Yeah, absolutely. May, you know, maybe there's some DLC or some things that are free. Um, it d- depends on my daughter, but I may pick up Lego Dimensions. Blah, I don't know. We bought into <laughs> enough to the other's little figure things. Um, right. Yeah, and uh, last but not least, if you have not picked up Overwatch, people should pick it up. It's a good game. It's worth it. Um, yeah, that's a that's a great game. And they'll they'll probably have that on sale in the in the. Oh yeah, sure, they did sales sure. last year. I think I've I've done that more in recent years too. Like, bought a bunch of WoW mounts and stuff. Two years yeah. ago, I think I actually bought at least one mount and like gifted it to somebody. <laughs> and <laughs> I, and the I, pets, also, I, like buy the pets. I buy all the pets when they do charities. Right there, oh, yeah. they're like buy this pet, and a hundred percent goes to red cross or something like that i'm like well shoot i'll i'll give the red cross 10 bucks for a wow pet <laughs> right that'll, that'll work well if, if you're a fan of if you're a fan of any fighting games every modern fighting game with the exception of uh marvel versus uh the new marvel versus capcom which i haven't seen it on sale but all all of the big ones are on sale tekken or tekken 7 uh, Street Fighter Five, Mortal Kombat, Injustice Two; those are all like twenty buck games. So if you even have a a small fighting game itch, get that one. Um, but probably the biggest one, if you don't own it, you should buy it. Is Uncharted Four? That is, a, those Uncharted games are the best of the best. So yeah, those those were classic uh, GameFly Q items for me. At least two and three. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know that I played the first one. That, that's still a sixty dollar quality game to to buy it. I just don't have that thing where you have to pay. You don't have to play something brand new. I mean, unless everyone else is going to like we do with stranger things, we have to talk about it. I can't just get my Netflix subscription next year and then talk about it. We got to talk about it. But if, unless you're doing a shared experience, there's no reason to buy a game and, and or especially single player games 
and you know have to buy them brand new you can well, buy a and game to, that you and played. to me something like that is not it's not something that i need to own right like i'm sure. gonna i'm gonna play through it and i'm gonna beat it like when i did yeah. some of the arkham games i was like man if i did the dlc i could play this catwoman thing and that would be kind of cool but right. particularly with uncharted i'm like well I'll, I'll play through the story i'll unlock a decent amount of stuff i might do some of the you know i'll toy with the idea of doing a completionist something after i beat it but yeah. that that energy won't last more than a day yeah, yeah i get and, that and then i'll send it back i'm like if if it takes me less than four months to be done with a game i'm i'm saving money i mean i, I get it com- I totally compared to unless you unless you do black friday deals of course but like right that's I why it's i don't need a whole library it. of like all the single player games that i've played once and then never touched <laughs> yeah well the the uh um sixty dollars i mean i hate, I hate saying because sixty dollars is a fair price for uncharted i mean it is a the, the amount of work and story and everything and quality you get out of it is sixty dollars worth it but just what you said you're going to play it and you're not going to have it. It's not a longevity type thing, especially with Uncharted. It doesn't take you 60, 80 hours like Final Fantasy. No, and I'm not, I'm not like, uh, like my brother, Andrew. He apparently plays through, um, the third Bioshock game like every year. Yeah. Only I do that for, with, a, like, for a few Super years, but like, stuff, but... like what really, you know, there yeah. are new games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it depends on what you like, I guess. Yeah, but of course. Th- those are some. Those are some. Either way, any of those with Black Black Friday, picking those up, it's worth it. You're gonna get your. You're gonna get your money. You're gonna get your twenty dollars worth of time. You know, it's two two movies worth that you're gonna spend more time and enjoyment watching. So yeah, pick those up. Well, hey, I wanted to revisit a topic from last week. I say a lot on this show that X or Y given thing could be a topic by itself. Um, okay, I want to talk about big epic movie moments, and particularly oh, okay. the really emotional ones. Um, yeah, okay. We, we got into this a like little a bit last bunch. week, and uh, so let me um, let me start off by asking you, and and I'll put you on the spot here a little bit, but okay. name your your top three like moments where if you saw them in when you saw them in the theater they gave you chills maybe even choked up a little bit definitely number one is yeah it is kind of in the spot but i i I can tell you number one for sure uh it's definitely jurassic park when i'm going to tell you almost everything's going to have to do with john williams uh jurassic park (laughs) when the uh the guy says welcome to jurassic park and Oh, not welcome. Yeah, maybe it is. It's when you first see the dinosaurs and he says like they do move in herds and it pans out and there's the huge like brontosaurus rearing up on its two hind legs and it eats the leaf from the top of the thing and then crashes down and the John Williams score is soaring the Jurassic Park theme and it's like, whoa, you just, right now I can feel it, the chills of that. Uh, And that's, that's. That's a really big argument for me a lot of times about watching movies in the theater is those that's such an impactful moment of being surrounded, immersed in that thing. That's like, whoa, that was. Yeah. Yeah. I watched that. Um, I think some of the Lord of the Rings movies probably had some of those moments. Sure. Um, 
again, sweeping vistas. I think of when they're tra- a lot of them were when they were traveling across the world and across Middle Earth, and the helicopter shots are sweeping by, and they're doing these majestic uh, music, and it's like that's just so cool and amazing, and uh, love those. Any sad moments that are memorable to you? I I can't say with certainty because it's been a long time ago, but I am pretty sure that I teared up when Spock dies. Oh yeah, that was pretty big. I mean, that was it was old. I would have rented it and watched it on VHS or something. Yeah. Um, I cried at Old Yeller. That's I know it's a classic thing, but sure, as a kid, sure. Um, I remember distinctly, and this is sort of, <laughs> once again, to say we could do a whole topic on this, uh, the issue of hype. Um, uh, yeah, okay. Something that I think we talked about anime, and I don't know if you, you mentioned that in that show that, uh, you found, um, Attack on Titan to be very slow. That's yeah. a, that's Just an, about that that's an example of something where the hype kind of killed it, but to to get back to this my my specific example in this case is the movie armageddon okay yeah which, yeah that was a big one which of course now we would look back and be like oh this is so it's so campy you know oh i loved it che- cheesy whatever but when i watched it i watched it with a group of friends and you know everybody said oh you're gonna you're gonna cry at this at this <laughs> at this movie and then we got to that scene and i was like well, it's kind of sad, but I'm not crying. Like the the expectation is built up, yeah, way too much. Like that's the that's the downside to hype. The hype, yeah. You know what? I I wasn't hyped for that movie. That's that's interesting because I wasn't. I didn't know much about it. And when that happened, yeah, I I did. I had like a choke up moment, like my throat that knot in my throat. It's like, and then that was probably Ben Affleck. You know, being the cocksure kind of person, mm. he was awesome. And then all of a sudden, at that one moment, the actor played this crying for another guy, you know, no, no moment where he was helpless and couldn't do anything. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the thing. And, you know. Well, and you've got Ed Harris, who is great. Oh, take care of my girl, AJ. You, you know, know? T- talking about music, you got some you got some big soaring Aerosmith <laughs> going on there. Wait, Ed Harris wasn't in that. Was he in that? He wasn't in that. Yeah, wasn't he the dad? No. Jeez, man. It's Bruce Willis. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Ed Harris. What movie am I thinking of with Ed Harris? He I don't, he was in he was in You um, know what? I think I recently watched The Right Stuff and it, the, my <laughs> astronaut thing is throwing me off. No, the uh, Ed Harris was in a movie that was got a little bit of feels too was when he was getting ready to die in The Abyss. Mm. Do you ever seen that? Yeah, he was, yeah. He's like, you know, he I, he tells her, I, "I love you." He tells his ex-wife that, you know, he never gave up his ring, and he's he's dying, right. and they're like, and she's like, "Stay with me, bud. Stay with me, bud." And you're like, <laughs> "No, no, he's dying." That was a, that was a good choke up moment there. To there, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of these these are good things, and a lot of them are, are actors actors' performances that that sell you not just in the moment, but um, all the way through. They build that up, and they're continuing to have those acting moments, and then when it happens again, that acting performance comes through and yeah, well, there's sort of, there, there are at least two different forms that this, that this takes. And, you know, I led into this with the, with the epic moments. Um, but there, 
the emotional reaction is it's it's not always an epic moment like um i think i said this last week the the epic moments to me usually involve a lot of people like a big scale like it's not it's not a you know it's not a daredevil fist fight mm-hmm. you know um but that was a memorable moment sure uh my like those those kind of scenes to me or are emotional in a different way like it's more um of the visceral kind of vengeance kind of thing it's not it's not moving in a way that that the big that the big epic scenes are um to me uh the the lord of the rings scene where where um the rohirrim show up at the pelinor fields um and that oh, was yeah. that was particularly impactful because i remember the scene in the books yeah um you know you get this this description in the books of the the clouds coming out from mordor are so thick that it's just dark and it's, oh, yeah. and it's been dark for days like nobody has any idea of even what time it is because there's so much dark cloud cover yeah and the that's when they reveal the um the witch king like the the head nazgul rider yeah and um and gandalf has just been located by one of the other hobbits and this guy lands and he's like you know i'm whatever abandon all hope and and gandalf really does in that moment lose hope he's like i can't I can't fight this guy and cover for um for Denethor in leading the the armies of Gondor and all of this stuff. It's like this we're going to we're going to lose. Like we're It's over. It's it's over. And then <clears throat> the writing the writing is amazing because uh he says very faintly like he could just barely hear a rooster crowing. And he goes, and then, and then just after that is, is very faint sound of horns. And so he knows two things. The rooster who is, is sensitive to the dawn, even though there are no signs of the dawn that, that the men can discern. Um, so like, even though it's dark, there's cloud cover, it's, it's dawn. Like we survive the night. And it's a new day. The second thing is that the writers of Rohan have arrived. Which is the and, feels. And you're like, yeah, you're like, oh, we are not, we, we are not screwed. That, 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 that show movie book plays on hope. I mean, it, it's all about it. Yeah. You know, I think, I think that's one of the things that the Hobbit missed is it, it, it didn't flirt with the way hope that it needed to that the other ones did. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, 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 the Lord of the Rings is, is great. An example of movie moments and the feeling primarily for me because of the soundtrack. I think the soundtrack drives well, a yeah, lot of to, that to, to go back to, you mentioned John Williams. I mean, yeah, th- that dude is the master, but there are many like, uh, Howard Shore who, who composed most of the music for Lord of the Rings also great. I mean, he the way he toys with this um the sense of not only do the different races or the different character groups have different 
themes, different melodies. Yeah. He also will use those melodies in very different ways to sort of give you the here's this scene and it's and it's sad. It's the like um he does this a couple times, like when I think it's when Boromir dies and he's okay he's giving that's his a, that's a powerful sad scene there too he, he's giving his confession to uh to aragorn and they're playing the gondor theme but it's it's very slow and and faint like you just barely hear it uh uh-huh. he's like he's like i would have i would have i would have followed you as my king oh yeah right that that gets you right there and he's like and oh, then whoa. and then contrast that with um, you know, of course, leading up to the Rohirrim, when uh, when the beacons are lit, which is a little different from from the way it's it is in the books. With you know, um, I think it's Pippin lights that you know, sort of tripping yeah. over it, which makes it a little comedic, kind of kind of comedic, cheesy. But like then they do yeah. this um, this sequence of the beacons lighting up in this sort of panning I don't even want to call it helicopter shot because it's clearly a lot of uh you know post effects yeah and stuff but then they're playing they're playing the gondor theme again but it's like it's upbeat and it's and it's triumphant and it's like you said soaring you know to to the extent where the first time you watch it you don't have time to really stop and and think and go Look at the that beacon is above the clouds. Are you telling me <laughs> yeah. there's a guy who lives at the at the equivalent of like the peak of Mount Everest just waiting his whole life to to oh. to maybe have to light this beacon? I thought I thought of that the whole time like the very first time I watched that and <laughs> I was watching the whole time I was like, "Wait, wait, who are these dudes that are like that's their job to and to just to that's just what they be do. up there all the time like but but really it's so like and be on it like they have to be paying attention <laughs> right because those things happen immediately they just they just pop up pop up and it's it's one of those things where i mean i don't know maybe the first time i saw it i had that thought too but it's like there's so much emotion going on with what you're seeing and this and the music that you're hearing that you you don't really care oh right. like it's it's that kind of like um like we talked about uh the most recent star trek reboot film oh you like sabotage with sabotage you're like right this is a little bit dumb but i don't care it's so <laughs> right, they're awesome. playing beastie boys while they yeah oh, right. hearkening back to the first one not hey, to hey, you know, not to i got compare, one for you. uh you know howard shore's lord of the rings soundtrack with, with beastie, <laughs> boys, <laughs> to beastie boys hey i got one for you that that actually is fairly it's it's one of the longest feels that me i personally had in a movie emotional kind of moments that made me soar and excited and feel that now, joy what, do, that I do love. Do you mean the moment was long or the like... feeling I had was long. Like the moment was long and and it it conti- it because you can capture that but then to hold on to it and continue to have the audience feel that for a long period of time is difficult. Sure. Um but um one that did and had me had me giddy with joy and in fairly recent memory is the Avengers. The very first Avengers, it's what made it successful, was that 
the the marquee scene of all of a sudden the Avengers are together and the and uh, he has the director has the um, camera panning around a circle as Captain America pulls his sword in the Hulk is <laughs> roaring and and Iron Man is flying down you know Hawkeye pulls his bow back and you're like oh my God it's the Avengers and again they're playing the music mm-hmm. and that that was also coupled with the the scene that all of a sudden the the, the Avengers are all working together. Um, where Hulk and Thor are fighting this big thing. They're, you know, fighting bad guys. They're on top of one of the flying things and they're team working. Uh, Iron Man flies by, shooting stuff, lands on the bridge, shoots Captain America's shield. He deflects it onto other things and it just goes from one scene to the next. And I'm like, oh my God, this is my childhood that I read about forever and it's not ending and it's, it's five minutes long and it's I just pure joy. And it ends with the Hulk punching Thor in a little comedic moment and it's like this is great this is the best scene the best movie ever i love it nice. you know they did it thank you joss whedon oh i still get chills oh my gosh um but that was that was, that was not an, an acting one i just mentioned a lot of times good actors and stuff that was a director gave us that moment sure. you know he, he 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 did that one and composed didn't need to uh, have, you could have had anybody in those spots. you know the cinematography the special effects the music all of those, yeah. and, all those elements makes... came together. A similar, a similar sort of thing to to reference back to the rebooted Star Treks. I think I talked about this when we when we talked about uh, those movies. Is in the first film when um, when Sulu comes back, even though Kirk told him to leave to leave them. Yeah, there. It's a it's the same kind of thing as Lord of the Rings. Like they're they're out of options. They're they're probably going to die. And then the Enterprise comes back. Like, they weren't supposed to come back, but he disobeyed orders, came back anyway. And they, like, right. fire off a volley of, uh, of of pulse phasers and destroy the, the enemy ship. And that same thing, the music swells. And you're like, God, this is so awful. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was getting ready to say that I didn't think Star Trek actually had the new Star Trek movies. The one thing they missed is they didn't have a lot of those moments. I mean, Sabotage is one that I remember. But they didn't have a lot of those moments. Um, yeah, I mean, you that don't maybe um, remember back. Yeah, you're generally not, not for whatever reason, not as invested in the characters. And I don't right. know if that's right. You like you don't get the personal moments. Like I definitely was not affected by, you know, Kirk's very short death the same way. <laughs> that yeah. I was affected by Spock's death yeah, because right, there's, for sure. there's not as much weight to it. Like it did not feel that way. It's, it's good and they're well-made, but a lot of it feels very tongue in cheek. Yeah. And the, the original Star Trek movies, even if, you know, a lot of it was, was kind of campy, you know, sixties television. By the time they were making the movies, these characters had lived in, popular culture for a couple decades right but you when you watched it personally you hadn't been invested in those characters to that extent i mean by the time you'd watched that one there was only one other movie before that and i and tell me you can correct me if i'm wrong but most people hadn't watched the tv series so the movies were only thing they really had it reverence to by the time you watch the death of kirk spoiler for star trek uh the 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 first one they're the new oh, the reboot movies you mean 
Yeah, you you have you have decades and decades of living in the Star Trek universe. You know everything in and out about Spock visiting as ambassador to Romulus, and you know so much. So this is just that was just playing out things that had happened in the past that you already knew about. There was no real in, in, well, emotional that's, thing. That's true too. Happen. Like there's no um, there's no surprise to it anymore, particularly because they're working in a in an alternate universe. Right. So it it just is by its nature not going to have the same teeth the other one did. Hey, there is one that had another I wanted to point out another um director slash moment that wasn't necessarily acting that was powerful was it's heroic. The feeling's heroic on this one. Okay. Is Rogue One when at the ending you feel you feel like when I'm trying to think of when Jen is getting ready to die. They've already successfully transmitted the the plans the Death Stars shot the planet. They're going to die. And they're just standing there like, I did it. And you feel really heroic. And that's when they show Leia. And you're like, oh, they say the word hope. And you're like, oh, very heroic. I felt really emotional, happy and about that scene. So I wanted to point that one out on our, our talking with things. One but one of the things I, I have the sort of, I guess you could call it a bad habit, but when I am reading a book or listening to an audiobook where there's that kind of moment, there is, there's no music, right? Yeah. You're reading, there's nothing in even, even an audiobook, unless it's a dramatization or something, there's no music. And so yeah. when something happens and like, you know, the backup reinforcements arrive or like, uh, <clears throat> when 11 returns in stranger things. Yeah. Um, I always, pretty much without fail, will think of the Back to the Future soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. So, so if you imagine the scene with um, with the skateboard or the hoverboard, depending on which film you're talking about, where okay. he's he's being chased and he grabs the back of a car and yep. he does it a couple times. I mean, that's a right. time travel movie that deals with a lot of repeating. Uh, cliches okay and sequences but the way that that music goes and it like it drops down and it becomes kind of kind of tense and playful and then he'll do something he'll swerve away or whatever and the big um strings will come in yeah i'm trying to I'm trying to describe it without like singing the melody which will sound stupid <laughs> oh yeah i know you you want to do it because it's it's on your mind it's so you, you know what i'm talking about yeah for sure I, i've been doing that a couple of times as trying not to sing the avengers thing as, as we're <laughs> you're describing it hey I, probably okay there's one that i would be remiss without saying uh, and anyone who who knows me and talks about my favorite movies would probably beat me over the head if i didn't mention this um i don't know if you ever saw the 13th warrior it's probably one of the most derided movies of all time for like not making money. And... Yeah, I don't, I don't think I have. Okay, um, it's great. There's so many of those movies, by the way, on that list that I like. I like Sahara and Thirteenth uh, uh, Warrior. So Thirteenth Warrior was written by Michael Crichton, called Eaters. Is of Sahara the, Dead. the one with Steve Zahn? Yes, yes, and Matthew McConaughey. I Hi. like that movie. How so. are you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Sorry, go on. I loved it. I loved him in that. Uh, so anyway, 13th Warrior, it's no secret I love Vikings. I'm a Viking fanatic, love right. the whole thing. Um, 
the warrior kind of code to that. Um, I really kind of want you to watch that movie now because I absolutely love it so much. It's top five movie for me. And um, it has probably the most emotional scene for me in that heroic, manly, you know, sacrifice warrior thing ending to it. And he says, like, the main character is the epitome of a Viking hero. And he's based off of um, Beowulf. And his name's Bullvi, and he's the king. Okay. And it's just this hopeless, hopeless battle. I mean, all the way through, a lot of it is hopeless, and they're going against all odds. And the guy is wounded beyond, you know, mortally wounded. There's just no question about it. He is just destroyed. And his people are standing there getting ready to die. Antonio, Antonio Banderas, which is your reference point of being the fish out of water. The people are coming in, the evil troops, all pure evil coming in, destroying you. They've given it up. And all of a sudden he starts reciting the, the, the Viking prayer that they had mentioned earlier in the thing. And when he says that, he slowly says it and things go into slow-mo and you start seeing all of his troops beaten and battered start to look like, oh my God, this is, this is right. This is what this is. And they slowly start joining him saying the Viking prayer as well. And by the end, they're just like ready to go. And then evil comes crashing over the, the, the fortress, the fort entrance. And you're like, whoa, that's, I want to be that. I will give up my life now to be part of this thing. Um, and that's, that's super powerful. Something I'll never forget. Oh yeah. I mean, and there's something about that sort of like, like reciting of vows or, or prayer kind of thing. It reminds me of the night's watch. Yeah. In Lord yeah. of the Rings. I mean, uh, yeah. Game of Thrones. Um, did you just say Lord of the Rings for yeah, I did. night's watch pointing that out? <laughs> yeah. I, I corrected myself. Um, <laughs> no, exactly. It's, it's saying that things, putting that, that slow motion into it, that meeting. And then if they do it right, it's the cinematographer who has the, the day there. And for those you moments. can do like, they do that in Lord of the Rings at, uh, at the gates of Mordor when Aragorn gives his, there will come a day when the strength of men fail, yeah. but it is not this day, will day. Not be that day. Which is okay. Like, it's definitely good. It's okay. I think it's okay. That was a good word. Right. Um, the the other moments in that in that series that stick with me the most, like, they're definitely good, big moments. Like, um, Gandalf and, and Eomer showing up at Helm's Deep to save them when they, when they think all is lost. Um, yeah. All of that stuff, like that's all really good, um, but the aside from the previously mentioned Rohirrim scene, uh, the stuff I remember more are the really touching, like somewhat smaller scale moments. Um, the the end of the first of the first movie, Fellowship of the Ring, uh-huh. um, when He's Frodo, going off. Frodo tries to self-sacrifice and leave yep by himself and and as we've we've talked about uh sean astin earlier um he swims out after him he can't he can't swim but oh yeah right but yeah 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 he he jumps in the water anyway and 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 frodo pulls him out in the boat and he's like what are you dedication what are you doing and he's like i i made a promise oh man (laughs) you make me so sad now because he got he ended up getting eaten by the 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 monsters in the gate that makes me so sad but, now but he says he so sacrificed he's he says i i, I made a promise don't you, don't you leave him and i don't <laughs> i don't mean to 
and the and same thing the music it's not it's not big music it's you know i mean it no. is but yeah no it's because he's gonna die like that, that 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 scene that scene right there when he's like reaching up towards the the surface and he's gonna die and you're like Ugh. yeah, yeah. I mean it's a it's a you know it's part of the bigger theme of that series and that the hobbits are so simple which seems seems derogatory but like they're so they're they're unencumbered by like grand ambition or selfishness or or vanity or any of that they're like i i I made a promise and i'm gonna i'm gonna keep my promise you know i I think sean astin is the one guy that there's only one person because i think autographs are stupid there's only one person i think that i'd want to actually get an autograph for and meet and shake their hand at sean astin from Mm. goonies to rudy to lord of the rings the guy is just you know just played his parts hey before before we wrap this up there's one i want to leave this with one question on with movie emotions for okay. you. I've got one and I'll let you say yours first. So horror movie, one that one that truly made you scared a moment that you can remember that like that terrified you. I get to, I got to put you on the spot now. So out of, it's an emotion. It's an emotion that you have that's besides epic and heroic and sad. Yeah. Yeah right but something that scared you like oh my god that just freaked um, me out. i had my heart pumping i mean yeah. maybe dennis was never scared <laughs> yeah no uh, you know the, i when i think about horror movies i think mostly about jump scares which are like well uh, it doesn't have to be that here here let me give you an example no like okay um, wait. it's somewhere between the first time i saw most of the exorcist i don't know if i've seen all oh, of the yeah, exorcist pretty, sure or when i saw the ring that's pretty and, scary sure um poltergeist used to do it for me the the mom naomi watts finds uh finds the girl and and you know her body or whatever and gets her out oh, of the yeah. well <laughs> oh man and the the kid who's um i want to say haley joel osmond says uh he's like what what why did you you know that's like this was not what he wanted her to do yeah and he says he says don't don't you understand she never sleeps <laughs> and that that's pretty good <laughs> um yeah i i remember more silence of the lambs but i don't know of, that anything in silence of the lambs was legitimately like S- scary like terrified me it just was really really good i mean anthony right. hopkins you know <laughs> right he just he just he just mentally terrifies you here I'll, I'll tell you mine mine is a clear a clear moment i watched it's with will smith in i am legend he is going after his dog he knows that there are these terrifying things that the audience had just been introduced to in this dark building and he's walking through and his dog sam is in the, the building and he's, he's got the light, but he can't, he can't show his flashlight on his gun for very long. Cause it'll show where he's at. So you just, it's all black. This whole screen's black and he's breathing. He's like, Sam, Sam. And everyone's well, he'll, he'll 
put the light on so he can see real quick and then put it back up. And you're like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. And he's like, Sam. And he's terrified. You can hear it in his voice. And then he, he, he lets the light up one more time and it flashes across the thing. And you see these like packs of white skinned guys, you know, in the corner all huddled together going and he's like oh my god and he closes it back up and you're stuck in the dark here and like oh my god mom i was terrified just terrified and it's like i had to look away from the screen i won't watch this anymore i'm done no more sam's dead it's over <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's pretty that's pretty rough i i think i mentioned this before but i i both read and watched the shining um, oh, that's scary. That was scary. Yeah. That dude freaked me out. Having having read the book, the movie was a was a huge letdown. Oh, um, okay, I did not. You know, the the ending was was different and whatever, but if you read any of Stephen King's work that's not, you know, The Dark Tower or whatever, like it's mostly psychological thriller and so you get particularly in that book, you get the the you get the mind of this character, this uh, you know, he's not Jack Nicholson, but Jack Nicholson in the movie, as he's struggling with, you know, being a sort of recovered alcoholic, and yeah. he keeps Stephen King in his writing uses a lot of repetition. Yeah, and you can't really, you can't really convey that in film. You don't really have the time. You know, you can do the like he's on the typewriter trying to write, and it just says all work, no play makes Jack a dull boy like over and over. <laughs> um, yep. But in the books, it's like he keeps flashing back to a time when he was drunk and like struck his wife or something. I forget the exact details, but like there's that. And he keeps remembering the things the, the caretaker told him when he left him there about the boiler um, and all of that, because did you see the movie? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, you saw the movie. You didn't see it. Read the book. In, in the book, um, he he doesn't get drunk because there's no alcohol in the hotel, but like the spirits that are lingering around the hotel like enter his body, and he he sort of changes, mm-hmm. um, and he forgets that he's supposed to let pressure off the boiler, and the boiler explodes and the hotel catches fire and burns down. Oh really? And so you see like he dies and you see the 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 ghosts of the spirits like in the smoke as as they go and I think I think the wife and son get away cuz the other guy um who recognizes the shining in the sun like, comes and finds him but you know you it takes so much longer to read a book that <laughs> it does you get this terrifying like this repetition, this, um, uh, it's, it's kind of hard to describe now cause it's been 15 plus years ago that I did, that I read that, but well, the movie, the movie was scary. I thought the movie was, well, it was thrillery. Nicholson did that one. Right. Well, Dennis, I think we got, uh, at least half the world saved. If, I think at least this region that I'm in is pretty safe for the evening. You think so? We think we're doing what we did okay. Done, done some, done some good. Done more good than harm. Oh, I don't know. This was a rough one. Could have, could have been <laughs> a little bit more harm to Nancy's career if everything's done. So, oh yeah, yeah poor Nancy. <laughs> well, uh, for uh, the front porch, you can always come visit us. Where, where, where can you wait? 
where can you see us at anyway? Where's our online stuff at here? You, you can go to our website. It is frontporchpodcast.com. Show notes for this episode will be frontporchpodcast.com slash one, two, the number 12. And uh, if, if you ever wanted to have some feedback, tell us how wrong we are and how awesome we are um, and how much you want to see Dennis's hairstyle, where do they email you at, all of us? Oh, man. There's a, there are comment forms on the website. and um, Got it. And, a, and, and a feedback. you can actually go to your personal profile page and all your fans can send you emails there, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> we have a Gmail address that I we, don't remember now. You can send it straight to us. You, you go well, to the website, frontporchpodcast.com. Got Find it. What you need hey, uh, thanks for uh, listening, everybody. This is uh, for the front porch. This is Michael, and I'm Dennis. Have a good evening, everybody. Good night. <laughs>